Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was something up there, all black and brown and covered in hair. I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter, and I am joined today by Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen Kama Splice on Tumblr. And Devin. Hey, this is Devin GD Harpo on Twitter. All right, and guys, bow chicka wow wow. We are covering today. John's third chapter of A Storm of Swords. And I mean, sure, there's some other stuff in it, but I mean, this is this is this is the Lord's Kiss chapter, kids. We've hit it. Um, we begin with John still kind of accustoming himself to life uh, among the free folk. We're getting a little bit of an update on this band that he's been sent uh, south toward the wall with. He's with some thins, and so we get some info about the Magnar of the Thin, and then we also uh, hear about Jarl, who is <laughs> Val's boy toy, is basically how John describes him here. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to describe him. Um, he seems to have some uh, bona fides of his own, though. Like, he actually has uh, he has uh, scaled the wall. What does it say? A dozen times or something like that, I think? Jarl? Yeah. yeah, a dozen times. Um, which is pretty impressive. Um, he's supposed to be a young guy, so he's really been busy, I guess. Um, so John wanders away. He's kind of got uh, a mission in mind. He's looking for ghosts, um, and he finds them on top of a mountain. And this sounds uh, very picturesque. You have the the mute wolf who is uh, not howling at the moon, but kind of staring at it, I guess. I love ghosts. I love every minute of ghosts. Um, and so John has to do his, his attempt to, uh, explain to ghost that he has to leave him because, um, obviously ghost cannot climb the wall with him. Um, and probably a good moment to mention that in the books, for those who don't know, the wall is, um, I'm going to say absurdly high, just like not believably high. How high is it? It's like, I don't know what it is. Is it a thousand feet? Just something absolutely insane and ridiculous. Um, so obviously, obviously it's not like a 12 foot thing that you could uh, just <laughs> boost your dog over. Um, so he's trying to explain to Ghost that Ghost should should head toward Castle Black. And um, Ghost did, does did not care for this thing. No, me neither. It's it's At very, all. It's like, you know, the throw rocks. Well, like Arya has to do with Arya, it, yeah. With Nymeria, you know, throw rocks at your dog and send them away. Um. So Ghost takes off, and John's thinking about the fact that everyone calls him a warg, but he doesn't really feel like one. Like he seems to he th- he remembers the dream that he had where he he's he's sure he was seeing through Ghost's eyes, but he just does not does not feel like a warg, which is interesting compared to where Bran is at this point, where Bran is like fully embracing his warg side. Yeah. Do you do you think like after hearing someone say it? Like that, that would have made me want to try, like keep trying, like, okay, well, how do I 
But I think he he probably just has so much other stuff on his mind. Well, he does have so much other stuff on his mind. That's not even like a thought to him that, oh, I am a warrior. Like, how do I learn how to do this? Because surely what? there's something to it. To be to be as good as the um he when he talks about Orel, like he knows how he can see what it can be, but like he's not trying at all. Well, he's old. I mean, I wonder. Like Bran is little. I mean, Bran is what seven, eight. John's yeah, like eight. double mm, yes. his age in a year, and I mean, he's probably got. You know, as you get older, you have one foot. You know, you don't have one foot set in fantasy. What if land? You know, you're much more. Um, going towards the world of men, so to speak, and as, as you say, he's he's got a lot on his plate at the moment. So maybe it's just. Like five years ago, he would have been trying a lot harder. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's interesting comparing him to Bran and maybe also to Arya because with Arya, Arya like doesn't really think a lot about it. You can tell she's kind of aware that it's probably happening, but she just doesn't want to spend any energy like thinking about what the mechanics of it are or anything like that. Whereas with John, John's clearly aware what it is, what's happening, kind of doesn't want it to be real. I don't know if it's because of his him his lifelong um, aversion to being an outsider. He always wants to be in the in group, and this is probably one more thing that would make him really weird. I don't know. Yeah, and sometimes with Arya, it even feels just like it's a matter of fact that she's doing it, though she never really like ponders on what it is like that she like it's just kind of matter of fact with her. Yeah, and it's. She's oh, a kid, and she's yes. going to be more like, okay, this is a thing, and I guess I'm doing this. All right, cool. Oh, wait, I, I'm on the run. I've got to deal with all this other stuff. <laughs> um, and and Bran, of course, desperately wants, he's got that, uh, you know, he's got that urge to not, to be able to fly. I mean, to be able to not be trapped in his body. So I think they're all in very different places. Yeah, and that's I, very true. I have to think that impacts like what's going on and how willing you are to accept or embrace or to try or reject all of that thing, those things. And he's, I mean, it would be interesting. We never are, we're never in Rob's head. So we have no idea how he feels about it all. But I kind of wonder if like John, he's probably more, okay, I've got all this other stuff going on. Yeah, it it is, and it's so funny how fandom tries to kind of fill in that gap of what what Rob's relationship with Grey Wind was yeah, and what he understood about the warding. I absolutely believe he was a master at it, <laughs> just because he was in war and like he learned out of necessity very quickly. I don't know why I feel like that. I just do. Well, I think there's a little evidence for it because you hear about Grey Wind very strategically attacking things people, he's doing, or helping yes, with ambushes yes. and things like that. So. I think I think I think there's some kind of, you know, there's some peripheral evidence for it. So anyway, uh, Ghost does run off. We uh, John is hoping that he knows where he's going. You know, he's like he could just be chasing a rabbit. We don't know. (laughs) So uh, then uh, someone comes to to get John to take him to the Magnar of the Then, which um, John doesn't try to argue because he thinks there's no point because there's a communication issue. We hear that the Then's speak the what is it they call it the old tongue is that what it was um so i suppose this is supposed to be the original the original language of of the first invaders of westeros i guess i don't know interesting 
Yeah, because it said like they were like proud that they were the last of the very first men or whatever it was. So I think it is like the whatever we're calling the first, that's them. Or they descend from there, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess that's what it's supposed to be. So John goes before them and he's he's with the Magnar of the Thin and Jarl, who uh, these two guys are having kind of a little bit of a, a, a quiet um, war over who's really in command of this little band. And um, they're asking John questions about uh, the basically, you know, what how the how the Night's Watch is defending the wall how often there are patrols on the wall, that kind of thing. And uh, John is trying to thread this needle of, of giving them enough uh, real information that they, you know, they, they don't uh, kill him <laughs> on the spot, but um, also kind of trying to do what little he can to protect the night's watch. And I mean, you know, this is, this is typical John trying to, trying to, trying to walk this line i he has to pretty much give up everything though um he lies a little bit and gets immediately called out on it by jarl when he kind of tries to fudge the the number the number of men that the night's watch has tries to inflate them slightly and they're like nah um so part of me is like why are you even asking him if you already know all this but um john is uh, sorry go ahead comma are they testing him i mean just further yeah, just to see if he's going to lie. And if he it is, I mean, on the chance maybe he's on the up and up. I mean, there's nothing to be gained from not asking him. Or, I'm sorry, there's every, I mean, if he lies, they know he lies. If he offers up, like, strategic information, that's stuff they didn't have. So why not ask? Yeah. Yes. Well, and I think there's also an element here that, uh, you know, the Magnar of the Thin doesn't maybe trust Jarl's information completely and is maybe trying to suss out, you know, what Jarl might have right and wrong. I've been calling him Jarl. Am I? Okay, you know, that's so funny. I had that thought because Jarl, Jarl, Jarl is like the, the Danish word that, that, that the English Earl title comes from. It is like a Lord of, you know, among the Vikings, like Viking Raiders, at least like in the UK. So I was like, well, it's got to be Jarl, right? But then I was like, no, this is George. If it was Jarl, he'd spell it with a Y. With a Y, yeah. I, don't I just know. was calling him Jarl because of Jarlsberg cheese. <laughs> hey, that's as legit as anything right there. I, I, <laughs> no other need. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the, oh, one other interesting thought that John has is that he he really does not want them to kill him as a traitor, not just to save his own life, but because he he has the thought that they will immediately kill Egret if they kill him because she's his woman or whatever, and she's vouched for him so much. And it was interesting to hear him kind of have that protective thought about Egret too. Um, not that he hasn't always been protective of a grip, but this is pretty explicit yeah. in his own thoughts. Took note of that, and he's just fallen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Yeah. So, anyway, he somehow survives this encounter, even though Jarl says he's lying. And um, he goes off to find Ygritte. They're in this cave, um, trying to make sure that, I guess, you know, no one from the Night's Watch sees them from the wall. And... Um, he finds her in a uh, special little cavern with uh, a waterfall and some kind of pool in it, I guess. And uh, 
I don't know, yada, yada, yada. Egret wants them to get naked, which is the first time, even though they've apparently had sex a whole bunch, like just nonstop, basically, since they started. I love uh, John being like the first time that they had sex. He's like, well, that was it. I did it once and I'm never going to do it again. And then he's like, and then they did it two more times before morning. (laughs) Same night. So, (laughs) you know, John really is 15. You really, you really do remember some of the time. Um, So uh, what, 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 what do we think of that? What do we think of this scene? Um, Any, any big, I mean, it reads so much more romantic to me now and I don't even know why that is. I never thought of this as like the most romantic of relationships. But it feels, it feels like it is. And like, that's why I said, like, he's fallen and I just love it. Like, that's what it read to me as this time. Like, for some reason, the romance was coming out of it. Um, and I just really love that. And I think it's just the, it's just really being in his head and thinking, looking at the way he's seeing it and like really putting yourself there. Like you said, like, so he really is 15 <laughs> and like, you, you feel it like it's ro- like, it's just the best romance ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, there's just an element of both of them. I mean, obviously, you know, it's pretty heavy handed, but that they're, that they're, you know, stripping bare with one another. And there is, there is, there is an element of vulnerability here that you see is, you know, kind of a big deal for both of them, I think. I think maybe also knowing what happens to her, I mean, and to their relationship, obviously that adds a poignancy to it and a sweetness in a way that maybe I didn't read the first time I read it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You're probably right. With that. Yeah. It's, you can kind of gloss over some of this when you don't know where it's going. Um, oh, so Egret had told him this story about um, a former King of the wall who had conquered by, by following some caves underneath the wall, which I think is probably information that George intended to use at some later date. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that will ever happen. And supposedly there are these, these free folk that got lost under the caves and they're living as, I don't know what zombies under there or something. Well, so. Like when, when they, when the rise happens, they will rise as well. When like the night King rot, like something like that, like that could be. Yeah. Yeah. I think there must be there must be a hint of something that he's going at plus these caves underneath obviously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I don't know. It's 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 there. Um so Igret and John obviously uh get it on. John uh tries oral sex for the first time on Igret and this is apparently the first time that Igret has ever had oral sex, which is Interesting. I don't know if that's just the result of the very public um, lifestyle that she leads, where she's constantly just asleep with a bunch of people around a campfire. And so everything is just like, you know, you hop in your sleeping bag and fumble around. And there's, I don't know. It was, For it was whatever reason, men of the free <laughs> north folk. North of the wall. <laughs> just, or yeah. North of the wall don't strike me as men who indulge in the Lord's the kiss. That <laughs> they, they just don't strike me as such. I guess they're just, they're not doing it right. Um, Igrid is very impressed by this move, um, which understandable, especially since this is a uh, first time for her. And so they have a discussion about, uh, you know, their sexual histories, which John's is an absolute zero. And, you know, she obviously is older and has had uh, some boyfriends and, and talks about that. And she's like, I'm a redhead, John, obviously. <laughs> I'm, I'm the hottest thing the three folk have. I'm, I'm getting it all the time. 
Not not my experience of being a redhead, but I guess I guess so if you say so, Egret. Anyway, um, they, they they have this really sweet little moment, and um, they get ready to return to everyone else, and they end up going for kind of another round, and they get in the water, even though it's cold. And uh, Egret says uh, that maybe they should uh, go deeper into the cave and uh, live with the live with the zombie people. Um, kind of a, a sweet little ending. Egret um, <laughs> also says, <laughs> ask him to do it again, the Lord's kiss, so I could see if I liked it any. Yeah. Real, real smooth. Sure did. Very smooth. <laughs> I mean, honestly, she's not wrong. They should probably just stay there. Probably would be a better, even if you're living with, I don't know, I'm imagining some sort of like, like a token thing about you know creatures who never see the light or whatever. Yeah, this is actually like one of our questions from a male from Bucko here on Discord. He asks like, could John have stayed with Egret? I mean, I guess in theory there might have been a way, but I mean they both would have been like walking away from their entire societies, I guess. And then the others would have gotten them. So <laughs> I think they, I mean, realistically, yeah. I guess they have too much, they have too much skin in the game. Oh my God. Yes, they definitely have too much skin in the game. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say. Well, Very well put. But they, 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 you know, they've, they're committed to their various causes and you know they're not going to oh god i'm not going to say it um they they can't they have to rejoin um society i guess i was going to say yeah. pull out but that's worse oh my god i'm, I'm so know. glad you still said it because i was just going to ask what were you going to say <laughs> oh my oh. god Okay, did we have any mail for this chapter? Uh, yes, we have one more piece of mail. Um, and this is from Cardinal Girl 75 on Discord. As I finished reading this chapter, something struck me and I went back to reread the beginning. This can be this could be considered the low point of John's story so far. He's not only betrayed his vows to the Night's Watch, but he's betrayed his own personal vow to never risk siring a bastard by sleeping with Egret. And why? And what does he do at the start? He looks up at the night sky, identifying familiar constellations, just as someone else will do a little while down the road at the lowest point in his story as he contemplates dying after losing his sword hand. Perhaps I'm seeing things that aren't there, and perhaps there is no significance in this parallel between John and Jamie, but I always find these little things interesting because they make me wonder if George means anything by them. Not that we're ever going to find out. Oh, yeah. No, Cardinal, Cardinal Girl. Yes, I agree with you. And I've always found it interesting that I am i don't think Jamie's is the next chapter. But I think that the next chapter that Jamie has is is the one where he he is, you know, post hand chop staring up the stars and he is thinking about uh, the moon made constellation. And I, I do not think that that's an accident either. I think that, I think that there's supposed to be an element of either, either Bri, either Brienne stole Jamie or Jamie stole Brienne. And I'm not really sure which one it is. 
but I, yeah, I do think. And then also, obviously, the looking up the stars and everything. Well, and there's so much parallel between John and Jamie's just overall stories of of John is running into what Jamie ran into at exactly the same age, which is that you you cannot actually walk the line of honor and uh, you know keep every vow that you ever make. I mean, this is John. John just is constantly stumbling through this. You know, he he just he just did where he's like trying to to you know figure out where his where his loyalties are and how he can you know be be loyal to the night's watch who he is loyal to but also follow the greater the greater mission that he was given you know by Corin Halfhand who was from the night's watch you know i mean it's just this constant thing of you know so many vows <laughs> and he's really hard on himself about it too um like the way he like relates it back to uh, Ned and he was like, is this what it was like for my father? Well, like, was it this hard for him? Um, and that's just speaking in terms of when he's talking about sex with Egret. Um, and so, yeah, everything, the way it just, he's just really hard on himself about it all. He is. He really is. That was, that was a good, I know. I love that too. That's so funny. I, I, I had actually, I, I didn't end up opening my, 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 uh, my iPad, which is what I do most of my reading on for for these episodes, but I had actually highlighted the Moon Maid bit and was gonna mention the thing about the Moon Maid in Jamie's chapter, but I didn't indulge, so I'm glad that someone else did. <laughs> okay, if that is all the mail, do you guys have anything else to say about this chapter? And it wasn't wasn't very long, but oh gosh, it's bittersweet, romantic. It turns out, I don't know, maybe we're all just getting older and and more. I had that thought too. I think it's just we're just getting older, and it's like just more romantic, I guess. I guess so. I guess so. Well, if you would like to send us questions, we love to get them. You can email us at uh, close the door and at gmail.com. You can always send us a message on our Tumblr. You can do it anonymously, you don't have to have a Tumblr account at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can always reach out to our Twitter, which is run by Guile, which is close the door at Twitter, I think. I love how I never know. At Door Podcast. At Door Podcast, that's it. Yeah, what what close the door is, is our Patreon, where our patrons um, help us keep our hosting fees paid, and we appreciate them very much. And at Patreon, we are uh, close the door. And of course, we always love if you like and review our podcast wherever you listen to it. I think we're definitely still on Apple and I think maybe Google. It's fun. I don't know. Stitch or two. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, please support us any way that you feel like it or don't. That's uh, that's fine, too. You can just listen and uh, laugh at us as we uh, stumble our way through these. So that being said, I am closing the door. Get out.